0: Welcome, everyone. It's the Fantistics Inside Insider Baseball podcast here on InsiderBaseball.com. And of course, maybe you listen to us on Apple or Google or Spotify. And if you do, subscribe because we're doing this on a very regular basis because, as we've already discussed, Kyle and I have tough schedules. Brandon's on the West Coast, so all scheduling all these podcasts is kind of tough. Uh, for us here so make sure you subscribe to one of those outlets and if you're at inside of keep going go to the baseball blog and go to our uh, fantasy baseball tools and check out everything that's available for you in season Skylar Dombrowski and I here today Lou Blasi. Skylar how are we doing
1: doing great man how about you
0: yeah you were, just, we we're just talking about getting Kentucky Derby bets together
1: Oh yeah, I was I was just reading some um, uh, you know, right before we got on. Here I was uh, trying to figure out what I'm going to do for tomorrow. I got a client that has a derby party every year, so I've got to go there before we go out to dinner with some friends in town from Florida. Well, it's going to so be I'm my
0: first, miss the actual derby. It's going to be my first derby Saturday at the Sportsbook. Oh my goodness.
1: That'll be great,
0: I'm, which I'm told is going to be a circus except we're not going to be that busy because we don't do the we don't handle the horse bets there. It's just Sportsbook, so.
1: Oh, I would I would have thought that was part of the Sportsbook.
0: No, no, no. Separate sports book up there. Separate on the mutuals. But uh, apparently it's going to be quite the party. And I, I'm sure it's going to be great. And it's just be an interesting. That's a great sporting event. I like horse racing. I'm, I don't play it actively anymore. I Used to when I was a kid a lot more uh, just for fun. But it's Kentucky Derby is one of those bucket list events. It's one of the calendar sporting events in the year. It
1: absolutely is. And I, I regret that I have not gotten to one yet. And I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't. I have a lot of connections for other things, but I don't really yep. have one for that. So no,
0: you got to go some point, right? I haven't been to one yet either, and it's like these bucket list events. And I encourage everybody to go see a Daytona 500. It's just like that—that that circus is one you got to take in at least once in your life. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, circuits in the most affectionate way because it's a great time. <laughs>
1: No, well, I mean, it's circus like a Bills game is a circus.
0: Yeah, 250,000 people and just like all kinds of stuff going on. And the race, of course, is awesome. And it's just, it's again, bucket list. If you're a sport, if you're a sports guy or a sports girl, you, there's certain events you got to see the Indy 500, you know, the Daytona 500, the uh, Kentucky Derby, a World Series, a Super Bowl. You got to go see those. So
1: yeah, I've uh, knocked one of those off. That's it. So.
0: All right, we're going to talk about an indicator today as we normally do, and it's going to be contact rate, one of uh, Skylar's favorite ones. And I had to change – we'll get into this a little bit later because I had to change my dashboard to do this. <laughs> change it in a minor way, my dashboard on fancrafts, because I already had contact rate on there. Devastating. But it, <laughs> what?
1: It's devastating, changing your, changing your dashboard?
0: Yeah, but it was such That's a minor change. Stuff. It was such a minor change because I had it on there, but I had it so far to the right that it was off, like I couldn't see it.
1: <laughs> okay. So you realigned. You didn't change really.
0: Yeah. So on hitters, I just changed it to, I uh, just switched to CSW and contact rate. And now I can only see contact rate without the decimal point. But that's all <laughs> another story. We'll get into that in a second. But uh, I wanted to get you started with, and I could lie here and I could say that this was a listener question that you know, one of our subscribers sent it to me or something and and get your opinion on it. But no, I use these shows for my own purposes. And Skylar and I are old friends. We've been at this a long time. We've even worked together a little bit on a couple teams. And uh, I always like his advice on this. So here's the situation. Without getting the particulars of my house league, the roster format is that I have Graham Ashcraft off the DL and I have to activate him at some point this week. And we can only have six starting pitchers on our roster. So it's coming down for me. And there are only... A couple questions here, but I have Ashcraft, I have Haney, I have Lidolo, and I have Elder. And I have to cut one of them immediately, and Tyler Glass now will be coming off in a couple weeks, two, three weeks, maybe. We'll see how that goes. Uh, and I'm going to have to make a cut on another one. So I wanted an evaluation of these four starting pitchers Graham Ashcraft, Andrew Haney, Lidolo, and Elder here. And I thought Haney made my decision easy with his last start, which wasn't a great one. And Lodolo's not off to a great start, but I love the upside of Lodolo. It just he, he fascinates me. So I'm just interested in your thoughts on these four pitchers right now.
1: Well, it's interesting, the uh, the four that you have chosen as a pool here, because uh, all four are experiencing velocity drops so far this year. And for me, there are two and two that are very – similar pairs. Uh, Heaney and Lodolo, lefty, lefties, uh, big K rates, yep. uh, some control issues, have really struggled to start this season. Uh, I think Heaney is much less likely to turn it around with what I'm seeing. The control has really regressed for him. Ladolo's had much more bad luck than he's had bad skill.
0: Right. So- he's like a 616 ERA, but the XFIP is 339. The XERA is 457, and his strikeout rate is still up there.
1: Yeah, strikeout rate is it's actually up more, I believe.
0: Yeah, and the walk rate is down, so there's a little bit more control.
1: Right, and Heaney's the opposite. Uh, he's actually gotten a, a below-average swing strike rate to this point this year. And I was watching his start uh, the other day, and he has no control at all. I mean, he just and every pitch is missing uh, glove side. So I don't know what he's doing. There's something up there. So I, he's probably the the easiest cut. Then the other pair, Elder and Ashcraft, two guys that are throwing a lot of ground balls, getting very favorable results to this point with kind of underlying stats that would lead you to believe that there's going to be some regression. And guys
0: you don't normally like in terms of more contact-based. They get the ground balls, but they're more contact-based.
1: Right. Uh, Of the two, even though the performance doesn't necessarily bear this out, both from the underlying skill standpoint and the actual skill standpoint... um, I think I prefer Ashcraft just because I don't feel like there's enough of a book out around the league on Elder yet, and I think they will catch up to his stuff. Ashcraft's raw stuff is much better than Elder's, Um, so I I feel like he's probably the better bet of the two going forward. So my choices are probably in this order, Lodolo, Ashcraft, Elder, Heaney, and those four. I love Haney, you know I do, but I
0: know you do. We've we've talked about it, and I've I've been resisting doing it because I've had to make this decision on a couple different levels with Max Freed coming back and with Ashcraft coming back now. Uh, so Haney is the first cut. I think so, yeah. And then who's the second? Elder is the second cut. Yep, for me. Elder is just the, the attraction for Elder is for me is hot hand, and he's just pitching well, and you just want to ride it as long as you can. But the roster is forcing me to make some decisions on these guys. I think Ashcraft has a higher ceiling. And I love I love the potential of Lodolo. It hasn't come together quite yet, but the longer I can wait for it to come together, the happier I am. Haney is just Haney was always a bit of resistance for me because he'd been pitching well and had some good qualities going. But it was never he never had the uh, sexiness of these of at least Ashcraft and Lodolo. Elder's never had much sexiness either, if I, if I can put it in those terms. But uh, yeah, that's basically the way it works out for me too. I want to hang on to Ladolo if I can, but Ashcraft is probably the most valuable among that group.
1: Ladolo's got the best upside of the four. Uh, he might have the lowest floor of the four as well. Yeah, um, he and Heaney both are, are in that category, I would think. Uh, Heaney has upside as well, but just you know, the the it, he doesn't look right. The velocity's dipped a lot, and the control—the uh, control bump that he showed last year was a big part of why he was able to miss so many bats. And with it regressing like this, hitters can wait and wait and wait till he has to throw one down the middle, and then they just tee off. So,
0: and you have to be—you have to keep the market in mind too, because Haney is an affordable cut in that he will go back into the pool. And he, if you start—if you want to put him on a watch list, if you want to pay attention to him, if, if he starts putting it back together, he's someone you're going to be able to have a shot in. Ladolo, he'd
1: be um, gone immediately.
0: He'd be gone immediately because that was basically the situation for me. He was cut in my league, and I had him picked him up up the next day, even with the six ERA, because just I just like the I just like the uh, again the sexiness of him. I just like his ceiling. He's been bit by the home run. He's got a twenty five percent home and a fly ball rate. He's had a long history, including in the minors, of controlling the home run and keeping the ball in the ballpark. So I'm just going to chalk this up. XFIP does it. Essentially, with the 339 ERA as opposed to the 616, it's basically normalizing his home run rate. And I, I think that's one of the major problems here.
1: It is. Uh, you know, there's, there's an issue with that with the home ballpark. I think that that, uh, that lowers his floor pitching in Cincinnati. Yep. But still, if you, if you just look at Xip, I think he has the lowest of the four, despite the good performances of Elder and Ashcraft to this point. So I think Lodolo's is the clear number one choice of that group. So yeah, there, a, you could make an argument for any of the other three, really, but I prefer Ashcraft.
0: So it's going to be, um, it's going to be Haney when I make the cut tomorrow. I have to make the cut tomorrow. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about contact rate because, uh, we're in this time of the season where stats start to become viable, stats start to become, uh, stabilized. And one of the first ones is contact rate. And it happens to be one of the ones that you use a lot. And I look at, we all look at contact. It's, it's the, um, it's the nucleus of the atom of, of Major League hitters at this point. Uh, that and pitch recognition and, and zone discipline and contact, that's what we're looking for for hitters. So contact is important. I tend to look at it as swinging strike rate and chase rate. I like to see both of those aspects of it and those stats, which is why you know, contact rate is kind of pushed off the screen for me. But you also, you love contact rate and you start to get the in zone contact rate and things like that. Tell me about your use of contact rate in determining that aspect of hitting, which is how well a guy gets the bat on the ball.
1: Well, I mean, the, the difference between the two is simply whether you're incorporating all pitches or just pitches that are swung at. So they, they serve the same purpose, really, for the most part. I, I use them, I would say, interchangeably, really. Uh, but we have started to break it down a little bit more looking at the combination of chase rate and in-zone contact rate and chase rate versus in-zone swing percentage because – The first step is recognizing what's a ball, what's a strike, when I should swing. The second step is whether you can make contact at it and what sort of pitch you swung at to give you that sort of contact percentage. And the third one, obviously, is when we get into the StatCast data with can you do damage with the pitch when you do make contact with it. Right. So that's the kind of the three-step process as far as analyzing hitters goes.
0: Can you recognize a strike? Can you hit a strike when you get one? And how well do you hit it?
1: Exactly. Yep. Yep. So that's pretty much it.
0: All right, so let's um, let's kick it off. And what we're looking at is the leaderboard on contact rate, right? Yep. All right, Luis Arias uh, contact rate, <laughs> ridiculous contact rate. Ninety-six percent.
1: Yeah. He's he's nutty. I mean he he's the closest thing we have to an old old style hitter from a hundred years ago
0: and basically he just gets the bat to the ball, and it's just the quality of contact is where you start to have problems because, again, and it's a great example. I love this example because it it shows you that all three legs of the stool are important in this case.
1: Without question, and it's not to say that Luis Arias is not a valuable player because he clearly is, but he is the epitome of a high floor, low ceiling sort of a player. He just does not have any raw power to speak of. It's it might be a twenty grade on the scale. Maybe it's a thirty. So I don't know what Fangraphs is thinking, giving him average minus because he doesn't have that. His maximum max exit velocity of any ball he's hit in his career is 107.3. The average in the for major 45. leagues this year is one oh nine and a half.
0: They have him at raw power 45-45 and game power 20, 30, 20 current and thirty potential.
1: Yeah, I would <laughs> say it's the opposite. I, I think he's reached he's reached his his raw level at eight homers. That's where he is. Right, Last year's total of eight, that's about what he's capable of. So, you know, there's no raw, but the average exit velocity, because he hits so many line drives, his line drive rate is just south of 30%, which, of course, when you look at his BABIP before 436, you say, oh, that's crazy. Anybody that hits 30% line drives is bound to have a BABIP well into the 300s, if not at 400. So it, it is out of line, but it's not ridiculously out of line. So that's extremely important here and the swing strike rate of 1.9%, you know, he was he was good before this. He's still only 26. So his contact ability is is supernatural. It is it's 80 grade if it's anything.
0: This really tests his usefulness as a fantasy player and his usefulness in an actual real baseball as well in in terms of today's game because he puts the ball in play, puts it in play with line drives. He has a high batting average, doesn't contribute much in homers, doesn't contribute much in speed, but you know, he still makes a useful player to an extent. And it's his exit velocity, which was eighty-eight nine last year when he hit the eight homers and 88.3 right now. We've seen guys that can put a representative amount of home runs up with that type of exit velocity. It's not ideal, but it can get you into the teens. Well, it, it certainly can if, if you have 45
1: percent fly balls, which he will never have
0: right and it's just not his style of hitting and no. that's why his bower rate his career bower rate is 2.8% it's because he's just not going to lift the ball
1: right yeah you're never going to get those optimal launch angle hits from him but but that's okay because that's not what he's there for he is if you want a guaranteed decent player in your lineup that's Arias. he's not going to go out and hit 240 one year randomly it's not even i don't think it's physically possible for him but, but you know, if he's you, never going to hit 15 homers either, I don't
0: think. If you have some weaknesses in uh, on-base percentage or in batting average, he's going to help you there, and he's going to going score some runs. He scored 88 last year in 547 at-bats, so he's going to be a contributor in that column and chipping a home run and a stolen base here and there.
1: Yeah, the biggest problem is the switch to Miami. Uh, the park effects don't hurt him really at all. If anything, they might help him a little bit because there's more room in the outfield there. Uh, for him to drop singles and doubles in but just the supporting cast you know he's on base almost 50 percent of the time and he has 12 runs in 28 games <laughs> he just that team is not good offensively yeah uh, and that's definitely understating the point but you know he's gonna give you a great average also he'll give you a very good obP not just from the average he does draw some walks and you know, the walk rate isn't great but his chase rate's kind of average and his contact ability is ridiculous so if they don't throw him strikes he will walk. And we
0: used to, uh, I won't say we, because I'm interested in your thoughts on this. I used to associate runs as a speed stat. And and Michael Waldo and I talked about it on an episode a couple of years ago, and he delved into the work a little bit. And there's a closer correlation, actually, to home runs and runs than there are to speed and runs. But in the case where you'd have no power and it's just a speed-related run scoring correlation – Lineup is, lineup is going to play a part in this. The so supporting lineup is just going to cut into his ability to score runs. Home runs, guy hits a home run, he produces his runs himself. A guy hits 30 homers, he produces 30 runs on his own, right? Not yeah. not as circumstantial as other stats, but when it is speed-based, your lineup is going to be a big contributing factor in what you can do in terms of runs.
1: Oh, yeah, and that's, you know, Byron Buxton is, is a classic guy to to illustrate that, really. He's knocked himself in more than his teammates have knocked him in over yes. the past two years. Right. And, you know, without the power, he he would have scored maybe 50 runs, 60 runs the last few years. But instead, I think he scored 90. So, uh, yeah, I mean, th- there's certainly a correlation between power and runs scored. And in my mind, there's more of a correlation between a powerful lineup and runs scored because right. the more people that are getting hits, the more people are going to be scoring runs.
0: Especially for a guy who had 88 runs last year, and eight of them he produced himself with homers, so he depended on the lineup to produce the other 80. Yeah, which is crazy. That's a crazy number to be yeah. knocked in. Yep. So don't expect it. Will Smith is at, 91, at 91% 91 contact, but it's a huge jump over A, his career, and last year. How do we read players, if we're calling these stabilized stats at this point, or we're close to calling them stabilized stats, how do we read and how do we vet the, these big jumps in contact rate?
1: Well, I think Will Smith has shown improvement uh, during his his time in the majors. You know, we throw out the 2020 season often when we're looking at statistics, and it makes a lot of sense to do that uh, in Will Smith's line because it basically creates a straight line of improvement in contact ability. He goes from a swinging strike rate of 10 to throughout the 2020 year, and then 2021 was 8.2, last year 7.1, this year 3.6 is beyond what I ever thought he could put up. Uh, will Smith is a good hitter. He's a very good hitter and he's a very disciplined hitter. His chase rates are very, very low routinely in the 24 25 percent range, he's 25.6 this year. So will Smith, great hitter. Um, but boy, I did not think a 90 plus percent contact rate was going to be in his future at all. You know he's, he's the kind of guy above average exit velocity, uh, average to average plus raw power. So you know again, we, we look at the the scouting scale, on on uh, fan graphs and I have no idea how they give him a 40 hit grade because he's always been above average. So for me, he's a, he's a 60 to 65 hit guy and a 55 power guy, which for a catcher. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's the third best catcher. So and that 40, is, that 40
0: is future value that 40 on the hit grade is future value is only a 35 current value. And he's just pr- been producing for five years now. This, this is who he hits. a swinging strike is extremely low. Just doesn't chase and now he's adding a little bit of pop to this uh, added contact rate. We're
1: at 1,500 plate appearances of him having a better-than-average batting average. I I don't know where you get a below-average hit tool out of that. It just makes zero sense. So clearly, Will Smith is a very, very good hitter, and I think we all sort of understand without talking about it too much that catcher development can be slower. So here we are at 28 where a player is generally pretty fully formed And it does look like Will Smith is taking another step forward, which honestly is not out of the realm of possibility. I think you could see Will Smith be a guy with a 280 to 300 batting average and 25 homers for a catcher eminently valuable.
0: Yep. And there might be a little extra half a gear in that power a little bit because we're at that zone. He's at 1200 major league at bats, two years of regular playing time. You can see the exit velocity. This would be a Tied for a career high It's not a big improvement But the bower rates come in And it's like 25 homers Feels more like a 20 to 25 homers Feels more like a floor Than a ceiling to him At this point
1: I would say 30 Is probably the ceiling I, He doesn't oh, have Rose yeah. gathering power yep. um, But you know he, he could reach 30 One of these years I think uh, You know He may have a year Where he only hits 18 or so I'd say In my mind You know 20-ish is the floor 30-ish is the ceiling that's why you've seen 25 and 24 the last few years, and no, sure. always the problem with catchers, even with the DH involved, is that they're they're not going to play 150 games. You know, they right. need their rest. So Will Smith, you know, he's already missed uh, I think eight or ten games on uh, on the concussion list so far this year. So you know, he's already got a ceiling of 155 games. So I think, you know, you'll see Will Smith in that same 130 to 135 ballpark in terms of games played. Probably be in the 20s and homers. And I, I'm willing to bet you'll see a better batting average than he's posted so far. And he's gone 253, 258, 260 in his full seasons to this point.
0: Yeah, keep in mind the big homer years, the 24 homers last year was 508 at-bats. He's probably not going to have a 508 at-bat year again, probably. I mean, would be over-under on 500 bats Do you think he's ever going over again? He could.
1: Ever? Yeah, but I mean, I- right with the DH now, I think it it does give catchers – an extra 50 to 100 at bats, I would say.
0: But would you pay for it?
1: Would I pay for it? No, I pay for 450. I think that that's a reasonable level right. to expect.
0: But he did hit 25 and 414 at bats
1: the year before, too. So, yeah, well within his capabilities. Uh, you know, he, he does hit some fly balls and he has above average raw power. So, mm. you know, you, you'll, you're going to see a 25 to 30 home run year at some point, whether it becomes a consistent thing or not. I think 20 to 25 is more likely. Um, because he's just—he's not a big loft guy. He's not a big pull guy. So I, I feel like he's just going to settle in as a very good hitter that happens to play at a premium position.
0: Nico Horner only eighty-nine 89%, only percent 89% contact rate. It's a solid <laughs> Contact rate, but it's—it's a, it's a good jump for him. But this has been two years of jumps from eighty-two percent a couple years ago to eighty-six last year to eighty-nine
1: so far this year. You know, I, I'm even in more danger now of getting him mixed up with Nick madrigal yeah. When they were both playing in Chicago and both playing like, second base. Now now they're both supernatural contact hitters. Like, geez, guys, you could get a little different between yourselves. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Horner, 11 steals already in 31 games? I know, right? He's on pace for 50-some steals. It's crazy. I, he has good speed, but, I, I mean, he doesn't have this kind of speed. I'm really surprised to see this. Uh, well, we
0: knew the boost in speed with the new rules was going to be sp- player-specific and it's it's a raw speed type statistic a raw speed type of model
1: of the player it's going to help but also good bas- baseball acumen right well that's the thing is he's always been a positive base running kind of guy and just a really heady smart baseball player so he is precisely the kind of guy that can take advantage of this stuff and while i think the pace will slow down a bit for him i i, I just he's not a 50 steal guy <laughs> But at this, with this start, is he going to steal 35? I think he's. it's almost certain if he doesn't get hurt, right?
0: Well, who could you rule out? I mean, you're not ruling out anybody because we don't know the effects of the rules at this point and, and how players are going to find it. And basically, it's opportunity. Well, it's kind of like the save situation, speed and steals in Major League Baseball is kind of, do you have the opportunity? You have the ability to steal some bases, but do you get the opportunity? So far, they're happy with letting him run. So that's a good opportunity window for him as well.
1: The other day I saw uh, – I forget what team the Yankees were playing because I don't remember exactly when it was, but I have watched probably a third of their games this year, which is honestly a little low for me in April. But um, <laughs> I watched the pitcher step off with Glaber Torres on second twice. I was like, man, he's going to go. That that chubby man is going to run. And he stole third against, against a really good catcher. I can't remember who it was, but it was somebody that has one of the higher uh, caught stealing percentages in the league. Oh, it was against Houston, I think. And I was like, man, if Glaber Torres can steal third, anything is possible anymore.
0: Well, you put... Like people- Torres is
1: really slow, but he's not a base stealer anymore.
0: No, but catcher is a, a kind of hung out to dry in a lot of Absolutely. these situations. He had no shot.
1: He had a running lead. Yep. Because the guy, I mean, whoever was pitching knew that he, if he turned around again, he's got to pick him off or he gets third base anyway. So yep. he just ignored him, which Torres is smart, he knew.
0: And there are teams that have been slow to come around to this. The Red Sox are one of those teams as well where they're just giving up stolen bases left and right here. And certain there's certain teams and there's certain batteries, there's certain pitchers certain that are having pitch. trouble with this yes. situation as well. Yes,
1: that's, I think, the key is that some pitchers just don't know how to handle it. And, you know, they throw over twice and it's like they forgot. And, oops, well, oh, well, I guess he's going to steal now. <laughs> they just worry about the better.
0: <laughs> so, but. but in this situation, we have contact rate and we can – and I always ask the question, why, when we get a change like this? And what we've seen is a little bit of tightening up of a, di- a discipline over those last two years from 82 to 86 to 89 percent contact rate. Uh, the swinging strike rate has gone down for him. He hasn't ne- necessarily zoned up more, but this year he has. His swinging strike rate is down to 4.5 percent. Uh, outside cha- His chase rate is 29.2 percent, both career lows. So he's zoning up. He's just becoming a better hitter
1: yeah that's what it looks like to me. He's made a lot of progress obviously on the contact front as you just outlined. But the thing with Horner is I think people expect him to have virtually no power also, but that's not the case you're, that's where you're getting them confused with Mandragal because Mandragal really has no power but horner the the average exit velocities have been well below average, but the maximum exit velocities the last yet yeah, last year and this year are firmly average. So I believe that he does have average raw, which is what the scouting reports have always been on him. So I think that there is the possibility here that he could develop some more lift in his swing. His launch angles are really quite low. He's, he's gotten over 10 degrees once, and this year he's at 9.7. So he's kind of hovering. Last year was 10.7. The barrel rates are low because of that, because you're not getting optimal launch angle on a lot of the, the well-hit balls. But now that he's gotten, I think, comfortable with being able to make contact all the time and chasing less and less, you know, he's gone down from 48 and percent down to 29 over four years. I think you could see him increase the lift over the next couple of years. He's only 26. So getting to the point where he could be a 15 to 20 home run hitter, I know it seems like that can't be possible with what we've seen from him, but I disagree. I think that it's possible. And he well, could become a very valuable player.
0: Well, you look at the exit velocities and you say it can't be possible, but you look at his physicality and you see the scouting scores on on raw power, for example – and it's more than possible, and he's just starting to hit that model range where he's at 951 major league at-bats. This is his second year of regular playing time. At some point this year, you expect that kind of comfort to come in and see maybe I can do a little bit more. But what you want to look for is you want to look for the pull rate to come up a a little bit. You want to watch for the launch angle to come up a little bit. But again, he produced 10 last year with just a 10.7% launch angle. So he's in that range, and he's 27 years old. He's in that range where that late developing power starts to show up somewhere in here as long as he feels comfortable and has success and isn't looking over his shoulder for playing time.
1: Yeah, which he clearly isn't. I mean, he's a 300 hitter. He's sitting at the top of their lineup now. He's been leading off for a while. Um, I do well, think that's they, a recurring
0: factor as well, too, because yes. sometimes you're asked to do a role.
1: Well, that could have something to do with it. But, uh, I mean, I, I watched Ricky Henderson for a long time. He yep. had some homers. So yeah, I, I think that uh, I think Horner's just sort of getting comfortable as a major leaguer as you sort of just alluded to. And and I think that he will develop. He's a very savvy player. I think he has it within him to get up into the teens and homers. So he's a guy I would look, you know, this is a little bit of a breakout in terms of speed and maybe batting average to a point. Uh, But I'd I'd look for even a little bit more over the next year or two. He's somebody I will be targeting over the next few years. I think he's got another step in him. He doesn't turn 26 until I think it's next week.
0: Is he an emerging 40, like a 15, 35 guy, something like that?
1: I think he could be. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. would say so. It's not I out of the yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, with a with a hot batting average
1: on top of it too. Well, because the contact ability is is off the charts good. So yeah, yeah.
0: so forty combined and a
1: three- and hitting lead off. So he's scoring a ton of runs. That lineup's not that bad. Not right. as bad as we thought it would be. Beginning of the season.
0: So it, you know, this is a guy who should be higher on the radar and higher in the ADPs next year. After we see Lots. what's happening this year, he could he could produce. He could produce 15-35 this year, certainly 12-35, something like that, 12-30, something in that range. With the he should definitely
1: program. hit 40. I think 50 is a possibility of combination of homers and steals. And this was the 17th-ranked second baseman by ADP, yeah. by the way. Uh, yep. Next year, he better be top 10.
0: We'll be listing him, and we should do this in the offseason. We haven't done this before. We should do an all-star team of of profit guys, and he should be uh, on yeah. the next team. Yeah.
1: Yep. If we only could do shows in September.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, we podcast in September.
1: We can do that.
0: So we could do that. It'll be part yeah. of our podcast in September.
1: Yeah, let's plan on that.
0: All right, Brian Stott, eighty-nine point three contact percentage here, over eighty-five point one last year. And ag- and again, all these swinging strike numbers for me—the ones I look at, swinging strike—he doesn't zone up quite as well as as we had hoped. He could do. He could stand for a little bit of improvement there. But these guys get the bat to the ball. I love these guys who can just are uh, quick with the bat and can. Get the bat to the ball and obviously he can cover a lot of zone because he makes these great contact rates despite chasing a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think you know, Stott's doing a reasonable job considering the fact that the Phillies told him, Oh, yeah, I know you were our starting shortstop last year, but uh, we got this other dude that's really good coming in. So just, you know, go over to the other side of the bag, will you? Yeah. I mean, that's for a twenty five year old, I think that's kind of tough when you're you're just figuring out that you actually might belong in the majors, and then you get shifted off your natural position to go play something else. Um, you know, Stott's an interesting guy. I I thought a few years ago because he hit ten homers in Double A in 2021 in just 80 games. I, I thought that Stott would be a guy that could develop 20 to 25 homer power. But the more I look at him, he's kind of a below average power guy. I think 15 might be the ceiling. I think 10 is more realistic, and the contact ability. Has been great considering the fact that his strike zone discipline is, is rather poor. Uh, his chase rate's not good. And one thing we don't like to see the chase rates up five and a half percent this year while the in zone swing percentage is down one and a quarter percent. Not a good combo there, uh, but he's managed to succeed despite that to this point. I think that the StatCast expected data of 276 batting average, 360 slugging. It's probably a little closer to what we're going to see if he continues to chase at this rate. But, you know, a guy that's going to put a decent batting average together with maybe 10 homers and 15 steals in a very good lineup is a somewhat valuable player. I think that certainly deep leaguers, you want him, Uh, 12-team standard formats, he's on the fringe.
0: It's, it's funny when you start talking about that plate discipline and changing a little bit. I wonder if the deployment has changed, whether he has to deal with more off-speed stuff. He's actually seeing more fastballs this year than he saw last year. And it, there really hasn't been a book out in terms of what you can see. And again, you like to say it, and I love this saying, pitchers will tell you what a hitter's doing. And it's not like they've found a pitch that he can't handle because they're not pounding any particular pitch.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. He's just able to hit every pitch, whether he does any damage with it and not so much.
0: Yep. So this is this is basically his issue in terms of plate discipline. It's not a matter of him making an adjustment or pitchers making an adjustment on him. It's just he's got to, he can, and by the way, that's a positive thing because it's easier to rein yourself in than it is to deal with a hole that pitchers might have found with you.
1: Yeah, I think the, Bryson Stott for me is if you took Luis Arias and removed one or two scouting grades of uh, contact and put him into power. So instead of being elite and zero, he's like good and minus.
0: I'm, I'm interested to get to Alex Verdugo because it's been such an interesting season for him so far. And the uh, contact rate is up to 89%, 88.9. That's a career high for him, up from 83% just a couple of years ago after the trade to Boston. It was 82% at one point uh, with the Dodgers. And he's a little bit different hitter. And there's, there's a different vibe and a different feel around him at this point. And you just wonder if Mookie Betts went the year before, Zander Bogats went last year. Maybe he's just expe- ex- accepting a bigger role in the clubhouse.
1: You know that I lo- have loved this kid for the last two years, and he has not rewarded me for it. So, of course, this year I have zero shares of Verdugo, and here is the breakout year at age – well, he turns 27 uh, – Monday after next. So I I should have known that, you know, I'm, I'm pretty accurate in terms of identifying guys that can break out. The timing is always the issue. So, you know, Verdugo, he's been an excellent contact hitter basically since minute one in the big leagues. And there's just, there's no doubting that he's finally now getting to the point where he's disciplined at the plate. You know, having the chase rate go very steadily over the years. Again, we throw out 2020. We'll throw out his 20 at bat rookie season too. His chase rates in those other seasons: 34, 31, three quarters, 29, 24 and a half this season. Very, very consistently improving at identifying balls and strikes. He's also just become much more patient in general this year. Swing rates down from 45 to 39, which is what you usually see from sluggers. And that swinging strike rate of just 4.3% is outstanding. Obviously, the combination of all these things gives him 89% contact rate, which is excellent. He's eighth in all of the major leagues right now. Um, you know, So the walk rate is, is still iffy. He still wants to swing, um, and he's getting pitches to hit. So the walk rate's only 7.5% despite the increase in patience. But we've also got the power to take into consideration here. Yeah. You know, the exit velocities the last few years in Boston have been average to slightly above average. The raw has been, I think you could call it plus. It's somewhere between average plus and plus, 55 to 60 on the scouting scale. Enough Which, to contribute
0: more than he has in terms of a power standpoint and that's what the question is going to be because he's not a speed guy. he's a good contact guy. he's plays an out corner outfield slot so you're going to want to, you're going to want a few more homers out of him and we've got to see if he can get in those high teens and closer to 20 homers out of this guy. the exit velocity suggests it's possible this is a launch angle situation.
1: Oh for sure and you know over the last four years of him being essentially a regular the whole time uh, in the majors, Ground ball rate's down 4%. The fly ball rate's up 7%. So we're trending in the right direction. I don't think he's at, he's certainly not at an optimal launch angle yet, Um, but I think we could get there this year, next year. And when we do, Alex Verdugo is a, to me, a 20 to 25 home run guy that is capable of hitting 300. So I don't know about you. I like guys that can do that. So uh, I think Verdugo is turning into a borderline star which is sort of the level that I expected him to settle at.
0: Yeah, it's just one of these situations with me, and it's my Red Sox cynicism comes into play here a little bit. Got to show me, right? You got to show me a little bit. He's got to be a twenty homer guy, and he this is showing you. He is showing me, and this is the opportunity for him to do it because again, Betts gone, Bogart's gone, Duval uh, took the lead for the team offensively at the beginning of the year, and he's out. It's been on Verdugo's shoulder to a large extent with this lineup. And he's risen to the challenge. He's He's grabbed the bull by the horns and he might be taking a leadership role, which will help him build on the success that he's had to this point.
1: Yeah, he and you know the emergence of Jaron Duran over the last few weeks. Yep. I think, you know, things are definitely looking up for the Red Sox. Their offense is is hot right now, for sure. I don't I watched them beat up Gaussman last night and I thought, geez, man, where where was this team three weeks ago? But they're yep. they're different right now. And I think Verdugo is a huge part of that. He he endeavors are really kind of the focal point of that offense right now. And the combination of his better plate discipline and a little bit more power is really helping to set the table for Devers.
0: Yeah, and they beat the crap out of Toronto in a Go 3 shoot the series point. there, which, yeah. which was kind of surprising. And the offense doesn't look my, like much on paper, but it's been coming together and, and producing for them.
1: They're, they're a bad matchup for Toronto yeah. because their best hitters are left-handed power guys, and Toronto's pitching staff is entirely right-handed fly ball guys. So while the Yankees are a horrible matchup, uh, in terms of Toronto's pitching being a horrible matchup for the Yankee offensive lineup. Boston is a killer matchup against Toronto, their offense.
0: Yeah, and that's why the loss of Duval was so big in that lineup because it, there is no balance against left-handed pitching. They're very susceptible to left-handed pitching at this point. But again, with these guys getting on a roll, with Duran getting on a roll and starting to find a little belief in himself and with uh, uh, Verdugo finding a little bit of belief in himself and just getting a little bit. You want Verdugo to just have that swagger, and he hasn't had it. He's had it this year, and it's just fun to watch him play.
1: I agree 100%. He's a guy that, you know, I, I am not a Red Sox fan by any stretch of the imagination, but I like Alex Verdugo. I've always liked him as a player. I was upset that the Dodgers got him or the Dodgers sent him to Boston because I thought that he would become a great player, and he looks like he's just almost there now.
0: Wait a second, Jita was the linchpin in that deal. Who, Jita Downs?
1: Oh, whatever. That
0: <laughs> no, was the linchpin in the deal. Is, is he
1: still playing baseball?
0: I. He went to the Nationals, didn't he? I'm not even I sure. Thought he went to, he I, went to the Reds. Nationals. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not Let even sure work. he's in the game at this point.
1: Yeah, he's on the Nationals now. Yeah. Um, he was with the Reds before the Dodgers and the Red Sox. Uh, yeah, he's he's uh, he's really bad.
0: Can't play, but I would have put that label on Duran probably a year and a couple months ago. The
1: difference there is that Duran's minor league numbers were still good. Yep. As soon as Jeter Downs got to triple A, in fact, as soon as he got, he had 12 good games at double A. But then after COVID, every bit of performance he's had since COVID has been on the interstate or worse.
0: Both of these players, Downs and Duran, are players and we've talked, this has been a running theme for us so far here in the early going, is that we tend, you gotta, you gotta try not to get locked into numbers and understand that these people are people. Duran had issues. Duran had issues adapting to the major leagues and to the pressure. Uh, Gita Downs has some of those issues as well. You know, these are not, statistical models these are athletes and they're humans so there are things there are other things going on that we have to try to recognize and take into account
1: yeah we've said that a lot this year and I think that's something we've we've glossed over maybe a little bit in the past yeah so you know it's it's unfortunate that I wasn't able to have the foresight uh, for Darren Duran in too many leagues this year because I definitely could have put a couple Duran Duran teams together yeah. With Jalon Duran and Ezekiel yeah. Duran and, and Jaron Duran now. I, I, that's there's three Durans and they're all playing well.
0: <laughs> well I have a Duran Duran team going here with uh uh with the reliever and with J-
1: There with, you go. Yep. So I mean, I there's corn there's corn. so many naming put, uh potential with that. And it's just it, that's gotta do it.
0: We gotta get um uh, Bennett back on the serious show with the lineup exchange <laughs> and, and do a rhyming show right here. Right? <laughs> That An all-Durand team or something like that. Maybe. Oh, can-
1: I, would, I, would, I would tell there's only the three of them, though, the problem.
0: But can- <laughs> yeah, yeah but maybe you can out. find something in the song names and just, you know. <laughs> I'll set it on it, see if you can come up with something there. Yep. <laughs> all right, so uh, Keeper Ruiz of the Nationals, speaking of the Nationals, 88%, 88.2% contact rate. He's another guy who's been climbing on the contact rate. And again, it's a situation of can he provide enough other value to make himself useful?
1: Yeah, I mean, Cabert is—he's uh, just 24, and he's a catcher. So I know that he's been in organized baseball for nine years, which is freaking staggering as a 24-year-old. Like, how do you how are you playing in professional baseball at when I'm almost a 15? I know that he was technically 16, but yeah. it, it amazes me. And we we know that there's a slow burn on catchers. And I definitely looked at his AAA performance two years ago with the Dodgers, 16 homers in 52 games. And he had five and 20 games with the nationals before, uh, after the trade at AAA before he was brought up. And I thought, well, you know, 21 homers in 72 games at AAA, this kid's going to be a massive power source. No, that's no. His, his raw is probably average. I don't see it progressing much beyond that. Although he still is just 24 and he could get a little bigger. He's six foot 225. There should be some leverage in his swing and his launch yep. angle isn't terrible, but there just doesn't seem to be a ton of bat speed to go with that physicality. So I don't expect more than average power to develop here, but the contact ability is tremendous for somebody his age. And it looks like to me the chase rate's coming down 41.5%, 36.5% this year, 35.7%. It's still below average but it's moving in the right direction combined with his contact ability. I think you'd you'd give him definitely a good grade uh, for a plus grade for batting average going forward. It could be a little better than that ultimately. Um, But, you know, catchers, it it takes a while because they have so many defensive responsibilities at the big league level that they, the offensive focus just isn't as solid as it is for other positions their first few years in the majors. So I think Ruiz is a guy, I, I believe that he's going to be a number one catcher in uh, in terms of fantasy over the next few years. I don't think he's there yet, but he's certainly in two-catcher format, somebody that needs to be rostered.
0: It's funny, we talk about this principle in fantasy all the time, about the sell-high principle, and it, the Dodgers pulled the sell-high on this one in 2021, because yeah. if you look, and I talk about models a lot, there is a minor league model where a player gets to a point in his career where he's just screaming for attention. And if you look at 2021 with the Dodgers and the Dodgers organization, 52% fly ball rate, 48% pull rate. It was the same when he went to Washington, 51% fly ball rate, 52% pull rate, totally out of line of everything else that was going on in his career. He was just demanding attention at that. He was reaching for power, could continue to do it at the AAA level is. His third, his second season in AAA, and continued to do it with batting average. So it looked like he was capable of adding some power along with that good hit tool that he has. And I think the Dodgers looked at that and said, "We're moving this kid right now because that's such an outlying year in his
1: in his whole profile." It is, and, and the, the amazing part of it is that with that fly ball and pull, he a managed to maintain his contact ability, which is key because that's a skill based thing, right? But b he still had the batting average be really high, which is more of a luck-based thing.
0: With so, sub-300 BABIPs, which is kind of his career. I mean, he's a catcher, so he's going to have sub-300 BABIPs, and he's out hitting the ball in the air and pulling it as much as that, Then the BABIPs is going to go down. Yeah, it is amazing that he managed it, and I, I think the Dodgers seriously looked at that, and he, the intent he wanted was to get the Dodgers' attention and maybe get a, a taste of the big leagues, but I think the Dodgers looked at that and said, let's move this kid.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. But I, I do think he is going to develop into a, a great catcher. The most amazing thing in his entire profile for me is that he stole six bases last year because I – mean, did people fall asleep?
0: He this just came, is, out, of, came slower out of nowhere.
1: Slower. Yeah. <laughs> he, he hasn't hit a triple since he was an A ball. He's slow. Yeah. Hey,
0: who knows? Maybe it's, uh, again, opportunity. Maybe Washington wants to run the ball a little bit more.
1: Well, he hasn't tried to steal yet this year, and I don't. I don't blame anybody for giving, holding up a big stop sign for him at first base. All
0: right, with, with his name, when his name came up on the list, Brian Hayes, I just sighed. Just in, in my mind, I just sighed, and it's yeah. it's just That's what the thing is with his career. But his contact rate has ticked up this year. How do we read it into what his possibilities are?
1: I'm probably. I should. If I were a judge here, I would excuse myself from this. <laughs> because like I, do. I love Cabrian Hayes. Yes, yeah. I love Cabrian Hayes. And this is going to be one of those situations, like I'm going down with this ship, all right? Yeah. It's not going to be Verdugo where I have no shares and he breaks out and will be like, oh, that's too bad. I'm going down with the ship. Yep. Cabrian Hayes has all the talent in the world. He has well above average exit velocities, well above average maximum raw power exit velocities. The launch angle's coming up. It's slow, and there's not enough pull, so he doesn't hit a ton of homers, but it's moving in the right direction. And he always had above-average contact ability and at least average plate discipline, and that's improving as well, not necessarily on the plate discipline aspect of things, but the contact ability has taken another step forward this year, 5.6% swing strike rate. So you've got a guy that plays a brilliant third base. He's wonderful defensively. He has very good speed. He has very good power and he has very good contact ability. This dude is a tool shed. He's 26 years old, and I'm just waiting. Something is going to happen here, and somehow with all the Pittsburgh breakout offensively to this, of this year, he's not doing anything, and I want to cry.
0: <laughs> I know. I know. It's just so frustrating because, again, you look at the exit velocity and the contact ability, and the launch angle is up to 10.8, 11. 11 look degree. at
1: the cast data. Yep. His expected batting average is 284. Expected slugging is 434. Some of these 225 and 350. Like, not only is he not getting all his tools into skills, but he's also been horribly unlucky.
0: Yep. 2.7% home to fly ball rate on that increased fly ball rate. And you just hope he just doesn't get frustrated with that and say, I'm going to go back to what I was doing.
1: Well, I mean, he's got a 92.5 exit velocity. Yeah. Max at 113. You know, 113 max. That's it's gotta be in the top thirty, I think. Let's see. He's thirty sixth in max exit velocity.
0: Yeah, his no, it, contact isn't freak for him. His hard contact rate is forty six point seven percent and forty six point eight last year. I mean, he makes good contact with the ball. He's getting some lift now. The result stats. This is one of the, the kind of screams at you. Two fifty Babbitt, by the way, with those top numbers.
1: top ten percent in average exit velocity, top fifteen percent in raw and max exit velocity. This kid has tons of power. He could be a 30 home run hitter and he could be a 300 hitter. And somehow we're seeing these mid to low 200 batting averages and mid 300 slugging percentages, and it makes zero sense.
0: Yeah. And if we were, if he had a history behind him of some kind of results, stat, production, we would be screaming at this point, he's a buy low. Go find the guy who owns him and go make a trade for him at this point. But it's hard to do before the show me season, right? Because. But the raw skill is all there. All the indicators are there. These results stats should be dramatically better than they are right now.
1: They definitely should, and they should be. They should be dramatically better by you know uh, sixty points of batting average and a hundred and some points of slugging, with another step forward likely coming. You know th- he's he's an off the charts quality player as far as tools go, and the combination of bad luck and not quite converting them. Properly to skills is making it look like he should be dropped in most formats. Uh, I would have him on my reserves in every single format. I don't care how shallow it is. He's going to break out. I know he is.
0: He's converting them to skills. He's not converting them to results. I mean, again, the lift angle is up. The quality of contact is up. The zone discipline is still there. It's just the results haven't come. I mean, well, he's, he's hit
1: the ball the other way too much. Yeah. You know, he doesn't have Aaron judge kind of power where you can pop it into the right field bleachers on a, on an average fly ball. I don't I don't, pull more. I don't need 60 homers out of him. I need No, But need 20 he, homers. Out of him. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and you also need that uh babbitt to normalize. Like his Yeah. His, he needs more line drives. He needs to pull the ball a little more. These things are going to come for him. I'm convinced.
0: Again, we talked expected batting average last week and 284 batting average as opposed to the 225 he holds. It's only a 250 BAB. I mean, his quality of contact numbers are better than he had last year. He's a speed guy. He's got some speed. He doesn't pull the ball excessively. He doesn't lift the ball ex- excessively. It was only 307 last year. BAB. If that should be a little higher. And he's 50 points, 57 points below that with better contact numbers.
1: It is pretty amazing. It's amazingly bad luck.
0: Yep. So take. You know, take the warning here. Take the advance notice and go roster him because the results stats have to follow.
1: Yeah, in deeper leagues, I'd I'd be trying to get him as a throw in in a trade if I didn't have him now. I think that he's he's as likely as anybody that's showing nothing to break out.
0: And you mentioned it um, before. The environment in Pittsburgh right now makes that even more likely to me because that the rising tides lift all boats, especially with players that have had trouble producing and might be a little bit of a self-confidence issue. When a team gets going, the psychology, it, it lifts the team. It really does. It's another element that we don't play up much. We talked about it in the opposite direction with Chicago last year. And, you know, we've seen examples of teams going well and going poorly. Pittsburgh's going really well last night. All the young players should uh, this year, all the young players should be feeling good about themselves. Brian Hayes included.
1: Yeah, I agree. And while they are fifth, Year long in runs scored and in the middle of the pack over the last seven and fourteen days, they're still a middle of the pack offense, which is way better than we projected. So uh, I feel like Hayes especially should benefit because the other guys that are doing all the damage are are left handed or switch hitters doing their damage from the left hand side of the plate. So he's the offset to that. Uh, he should be getting better opportunities. I just I'm stunned that he has not put up better numbers to this point. I really am.
0: All right, I think I know the answer to this question, but why are we talking about Alec
1: Burleson at all? Well, why wouldn't we talk about Alec yeah. <laughs> First of all, he's a cardinal, which yep. automatically means that he's going to break out at some point, right? I, I think it's a law. But, you know, Burleson, he's showing a better hit tool than even I thought he had, which, you know, he's, he's graded off scouting-wise at, at average. Plus, his performance in the minors would be, <clears throat> I think, best construed as average. Yep. His plate discipline is probably average minus. Right.
0: Yeah. But he's shown some excellent contact
1: ability. Yep. Six and a half percent swing strike rate to this point is very, very good. Now he's definitely being platooned strictly. And that's probably a good thing for a young hitter, I guess. Although I like exposing them to some lefties, and the Cardinals right. just yep. they have too many people that need to play, so they're they're not. Um, but just 24 years old. And, you know, showing, showing some decent power. The average exit velocity is, I'd say, good. It's not even just above average. It's, it's into the good, like, 60-grade 60, 60 range. The max is probably average plus 55-grade range. Launch angle's nice. You know, 21.5% line drive, 40% fly ball, 40% pull. That's what we want to see out of a power-type bat. He also has been really unfortunate. Uh, StatCast data has him at 261, batting average 440 slugging. He's at 220 and 415, respectively, so uh, getting shorted a bit there. I, I feel like Burlton's a really good bat. I've actually been using him in DFS a decent amount uh, when they're facing a right-handed pitcher, obviously. Um, I think he's a good little player, but, again, the problem in St. Louis is there's so many guys that need playing time. Any slump from any of them, and they're vulnerable to not just being benched but sent down.
0: Right, so there's an at bat cap here, which is going to limit his pro- productivity even more. At this 6.5% swinging strike rate, he hasn't had 150 major league at bats yet. By the way, right. that's just astounding. I and you can I would write off his chase rate at 37.4% right now and 31% last year. I'd write it off for early acclamation, but his walk rates haven't been great, so I, I suspect he does have some zone discipline issues that are carrying over here.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's pretty evident uh, from his minor league time. But the fact that he maintained pretty average uh, swinging strike rates despite poor plate discipline is good. And St. Louis obviously has been able to develop hitters. I think that they will help him with his pitch recognition as, the t- as time goes by, assuming that he uh, keeps himself in the discussion as far as being a priority to play. Because he's poor defensively, and he doesn't have a lot of speed, so those are two things working against him.
0: He provided 20 homers and 432 AAA at-bats last year, and he's capable of 20 homers, and you're you're right. You've reduced it correctly to the key question here is how many – can he hit well enough to gain himself some at-bats? If he can give you 450 at-bats, he's
1: 20-homer capable. I think he has the skill set to do it, but it's always converting it. And, you know, he he doesn't walk a lot. He doesn't run, and he's a he's kind of a butcher in the outfield, to be perfectly honest. Uh, so he's got a hit. And in his minor league tenure, he has not hit roughly just as much as he's hit. So it's, it's up in the air. I think he's a high upside guy in deeper leagues. I'd be interested in him um, in standard formats and more shallow than that. I just would just have him on a watch list.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say he's that's that's exactly what I was gonna say and, and wrap this up with he's a watch list player more than he is a claim
1: at this point. He is, except in deep formats. I think you need guys like this because you, when they break out, you need to have a couple of them sitting on your bench. Uh, obviously, depending on format, some people just. I'm playing in one league that has zero bench this year, so you can't stash anyone. And it's I, it's one of my softball buddies that started the league, and I was like, dude, you can't do this. This is just it's dumb. There's people dropping guys that are stars. It's stupid.
0: Uh, Alejandro Kirk, 87% contact rate up from 85 last year, up from 82 the year before. He's a catcher who's coming into his own 731 major league at bats. His third season or his second season of regular playing time. He's just getting comfortable. You
1: skipped my boy too, but I like Kirk too. Uh, I have him in most of my leagues.
0: Wait a second. And who I, did I skip? Who did I miss on the oh, list? Don't worry
1: about it. I'll, I'll get to him after this. I'll bring him up myself. All right. I'll, I'll send it to you instead and you can analyze. It. Um, <laughs> So Kirk, you know, continues to improve his contact ability. Here's a guy in his fourth major league season as a catcher, and he's 24. He doesn't turn 25 till after the season. Look at that walk rate, almost 18%. He's an extremely disciplined hitter. Kirk is an excellent, excellent hitting catcher. But somehow I'm a little disappointed with what we've seen uh, over the last couple of years. You know, the, the fly ball rate has come down 12%. The ground ball rate's come up 13%. He's a catcher. He's not one of these catchers with speed. He might be the slowest player in the major leagues. So what are you doing hitting the ball on the ground 50% of the time? It's the opposite of Willie Mays Hayes. Hit the ball in the air, or you give me push-ups? So I, I just don't, I don't like what I'm seeing from him this year. The pull percentage is down under 20. I know he's making great contact, but that's, that's not what you have him for. His power numbers are good. The average exit velocities this year, notwithstanding, have been very good. The max average plus. This is a guy with plus contact ability and plus raw power still at just 24. We should be seeing better things, not worse, but we are seeing worse.
0: And we're at the point where this is past uh, early season noise here at this point. You're wondering why the it, this is, can only be added up to an approach change. Ground ball rates are up, pull rates are down. Uh, his plate discipline is still the same. I mean, unless it's a, unless it's a, injury issue one of these things that catchers deal with that they can play but it affects their hitting it's a it's a base issue or a shoulder or a hand issue or just a bruise issue I mean this is a significant change in approach there's no other way to to uh, uh, there's no other way to describe it
1: it sure looks like it although the drop in, in exit velocity also makes me suspect that there is some sort of injury issue uh, because you generally don't see that big a drop in exit velocity. Here we are, you know, a month and change into the season, and he's down four miles an hour. That's it does if
0: you've pulled your if you've halved your pull rate, however, and you're just throwing a bat at the ball making contact. I mean, again, if it's an approach, but maybe maybe he's just dinged up. But it, that's a lot of that's a lot of data, a long time to be dinged up. And by the way, the Blue Jays have some catchers, so they shouldn't be playing him all that dinged up if they don't need to.
1: Well, they, they got rid of one of them, although yeah. they I suppose Varsho could be their third catcher. Um, but I, I I do think there's something going on here because I've watched him and he, he just seems hesitant at the plate. He doesn't seem committed and, and feeling 100%. All
0: right. His uh, walk rate is above his strikeout rate, which is he's pretty Secondary much year. high. But, yeah, and it's just you would like to see a little bit more power because he's capable of it.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's something going on here that whether it's an approach change or an injury, I'm – displeased and distressed
0: all right who did i miss here as we wrap up the show
1: luis garcia he's my man (laughs) no really he's still 22 he's in his what fourth year of 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 major league ball at 22 he's approaching 900 career plate appearances already Uh, i think the world of this kid i really think that he is going to break out at some point Uh, he's right there with brian hayes for me as guys i just i can't quit doesn't have nearly the power that Cabrian Hayes does or does he cuz mm-hmm. you look at the raw and you've got max exit velocities even at age 19 of 111 and last year 113 and a half that's well above average raw and the exit velocities have crept up 83 and a half almost 87 87 and a quarter 88 and a half this year so we're approaching average at age 22 right so I love what I'm seeing here And the contact ability is is great. It's always been good because he's been a huge chase guy with just sort of average to slightly below average swing strike rates. This year he's chasing fifteen percent less in zone swing percentage, twelve percent more. That is exactly the kind of thing we want to see out of a young player is figuring out what to swing at and what not to.
0: It's so dramatic. It's just it's just huge.
1: Yeah. And you know he's he's got he's hitting the ball on the ground sixty percent of the time, which I that I do not like. But he's a, he's not a slow guy. He's kind of an average speed guy, and his up is two twenty one. It just makes zero sense. So you know Statcast has him at, with an expected batting average of two eighty four, expected slugging of four fifty three. He's roughly sixty and one hundred and fifteen points below that right now. Um, he's he's gotten. If I'm not mistaken, let me pull up the game log. Yeah, he's, he started getting a little hot last week, but he's gone over over uh, five again the last couple of days. I, I like, I use him in DFS all the time because he's so cheap, and I know he's going to break out because he's hitting the ball pretty well, all things considered. And he's, he
0: gives you a chance. He, he puts, puts the, the ball ball in play, play, right?
1: Yeah, well, he does, but you know, on the ground, so much sixty percent. I don't even want to see fifty percent ground ball rate. Forty-five, okay, fine. He needs to get some launch angle going.
0: Okay, I hate to break this to you, but he hasn't had a sub-50% ground ball rate ever in his professional career. And he's been a professional since he was 17.
1: Uh, hey, people learn. <laughs> he had 13 homers in 37 games at AAA two years ago. So there's pop.
0: With a 51% ground ball rate, too. Exactly. Oh, he's got pop. No, no one's disputing he has pop. He's just got to get the ball up in the air a little bit more.
1: 19 homers two years ago, 15 homers last year in less than 140 games both times, less than 110 games in 2021. Uh, you know, he's going to figure it out here at some point. I know he is. Imagine a
0: 45% ground ball rate here.
1: Uh, if he had a 45% ground ball rate, we'd be talking 25 to 30 homers.
0: He's got a 9.1% homer to fly ball rate this year with a 2.2 degree launch angle. Yeah. Yep.
1: Not a lot of fly ball.
0: That's almost that sounds unlucky because the denominator is so low.
1: Well, he doesn't pull the ball much either. It's thirty one percent pull rate. It's a lot of balls to center field.
0: If I'm not mistaken, he's hit nine fly balls then. Apparently,
1: <laughs> that's just ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> they they need a hitting coach in Washington. To- Anybody want to apply because they need a hitting coach this year? Oh yeah. So you know that's and that's the other thing is last year he was pretty much their shortstop a lot of the time uh and this year he's now he's their second baseman most of the time and it, they they don't know what they're doing there i i think that's in general a fairly poorly coached team right now
0: all right, catch Skyler and I on the Fantastics Inside of Baseball show on Sirius XM. Most Saturdays, sometimes Saturdays and Sundays. We're on Saturdays and Sundays. It's Brandon Cameron usually on Sundays, but uh, sometimes the schedule gets mi- mixed up. So that's Saturdays and Sundays on SiriusXM XM Fantasy Sports Radio. Uh, catch more of these podcasts at InsideofBaseball.com. All free to non-subscribers if you just stumbled across this. Uh, all of our podcasts are free, even if you're not a subscriber to InsideofBaseball.com. But there's a lot of great tools to help you win championships. If you are subscribed, so check them out, the baseball blog, our fantasy baseball tools at InsideOfBaseball.com. Everyone have a great day. We'll talk to you either on Sirius or in the next podcast here at Fantastic. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Hey.